Hello, and welcome to No Lights Paranormal. My name is Joe. I am the lead investigator. I am Alex. I am the head tech guy that sets up the equipment. And my name is Teresa. I am the bookworm historian and researcher who firmly believes that every single building has a story. Together, we are No Lights Paranormal, the podcast that journeys into the spooky parts of the web and the world to explore and discuss the most compelling stories of the paranormal. We also share our own experiences and theories, uh, just to add a little extra fun into the discussion. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hello, and welcome to episode two of our No Lights Paranormal podcast. Today, I, Alex, the tech guy, has come up with the topic of ghost children. So what we're going to do here is we will each share a story of our ghost children, and then at the end we'll discuss. Teresa, why don't you lead us off? So, I found a really, really good one that I totally want to discuss today. This one is actually uh, an Ohio favorite. It is the story of Gore Orphanage. I'm sure if you live in Ohio, you've heard of this. If you haven't lived in Ohio, you still might have heard of this. Anyway, so um, this story actually is really interesting because it, it goes all the way back to a time when um, orphanages were not something that were regulated by the government. So, like, things could happen to kids, living conditions, um, education wasn't really monitored, all kinds of things were not nobody really had a hand in them so even like if law enforcement came in to check on stories of you know abuse or allegations of you know uncleanliness or things like that there was literally nothing that they could do about them and that was the entire unfortunate history with Gore Orphanage so it actually started out where there was this couple who had uh, come in and they had moved from um, Indiana and the the couple they had an orphanage in Indiana that they actually ran and it mysteriously burned down. So over the years, they had a few businesses that also mysteriously burned down. Then they decided that they were gonna pack up and they were gonna move out to Ohio where they opened up their second orphanage um, that would eventually become known as Gore Orphanage. So what's really interesting about it though is during the time when the orphanage was standing there were a lot of really really awful reports about uh, really really dirty conditions, the kids not eating and if they did eat the nutrition was terrible, they were very dirty, uh, each of the kids would share like like everybody would get a bath but they would share like one bathtub and everybody had to use the same water and they only bathed like once a week. Um, some of the kids would try to run away and you know eventually end up getting brought back because they didn't have families anywhere else that they could actually go to so there was no other place for them they just ended up getting dumped right back. Um, horrible horrible things. Anyhow they don't actually have any idea how the fire started but at some point a fire did in fact start and the entire building burned to the ground all the way down to the foundation 
it was absolutely the most awful experience. Um, firefighters and police that ended up being on scene were talking about hearing, I hate this, but they were hearing kids in the building screaming and yelling and begging to be released. Um, they all tried to go to a back entrance that was in the orphanage, but the door opened by swinging to the inside. So, you know, as, as fire department is trying to open the door, they're basically pushing against, you know, 200 bodies of little kids trying to push their way out of the door. So there was absolutely no way to get in there. And unfortunately, the vast majority of them did not make it out. Uh, so to this day, um, people have reported hearing kids playing, kids, you know, chitter-chattering with each other, running through the woods, just basically having fun, ball bounces on, on like the grass, um, kids, you know, running, running by and sprinting through the forest, and people are like seeing these little apparitions and these little shadow people that they believe are these children. Um, it's awful. It's honestly awful. So, yeah, these poor kids. And um, just for those of you who want to know more about Gore Orphanage, it actually is um, a place located on, go figure, Gore Road, uh, right on the border of Lorraine and Huron counties in Ohio. And uh, the place was actually started by Reverend Johann Sprunger and his wife uh, clear back in 1902 and it was originally called Light of Hope Orphanage. Um, Gore Orphanage came from the name of the road because the road apparently looked like the gore of a dress. So that's just kind of how it got its name. But yeah, awful stuff. And even after the place burnt down, the survivors, um, so the husband, he ended up passing about two years after the fire um, natural causes. The fire didn't have anything to do with it. His wife, uh, Catherine, she moved back to Indiana and some of the kids who had survived the fire ended up being sent to Indiana to live with her because, again, they had no families. No. So she lost her mind completely. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, when two orphanages and a whole bunch of children and a bunch of businesses and you lose your husband, your mind doesn't really stay intact very well. So, yeah, she just lost her up in mind, and they say that she actually haunts her house in Indiana, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you think after the first couple of places burnt down, they would have probably tried to stop? But. No, <laughs> there is absolutely no telling if this was just some weird, sadistic, torture kind of thing. Um, they were abusing and mistreating the kids that were in the orphanage. There were allegations that they were abusing and mistreating the kids that were in the orphanage in Indiana yeah. um, prior to, to Gore Orphanage. Nobody really knows for certain. There's nothing in the book stating it, but the kids, when they would escape before they were returned, they would tell people, you know, they're not eating, everything is dirty, you know, they're, they're getting abused. It's not like horrible people from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. Just really, really unfortunate stories of mistreatment to these kids. Was there any investigation into, like, any arson-type thing? So, the official story 
is that um, they believe that either one of the orphan boys dropped a lamp, which at the time would have been an oil lamp, so obviously yeah. oil and you know starting fires. Fire starters. Another theory is that it's possible that um, the old man himself, uh, Johan, Reverend Johan, started the fire as an insurance scam, but it was never provable. Obviously, they didn't really have like good arson detection yeah. back then. And let's face it, the cops back then probably weren't best at investigating that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, there was no, you know, they didn't know to look for accelerants or tra- traces of starters, things like that. It just wasn't a thing. Not only that, but with the tragedy with the kids that happened there, they're probably like, oh man, it's just a tragedy. When that happens, people don't really delve into stuff. Yeah, they're doing their best to bury it because a whole bunch of innocent kids just lost their lives. Yep. Uh, Still to this day, there's actually, um, there is actually no more remnants of any of the buildings left behind anymore. They have all been either rotted down or tore down. Um, The land was sold off to some farmers and it was farmed for a while, but the area where the buildings actually stood is still there in the woods. Um, you can go there. Uh, the locals are very, very used to people going there, and they don't love it. So, you know, maybe maybe try not to visit in the middle of the night and shine your flashlights in people's houses and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can, you can still see the remnants. So, that is the story of Gore Orphanage. Uh, Joe, what do you got for us? Well, mine's not as in-depth as that. Um, I just kind of did a quick search on the internet because I was working, and then got yelled at because I was going to share a personal story. Didn't really get yelled at, but you know. Uh, (laughs) Just a little joking around between friends. But I did find this article on the internet, and if you want to look up the article, it's on 80splusradio.iheart.com. It's a... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. It's actually an article by Karina V. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If you guys want to look it up on your own, but apparently this Todd Kobe was a paranormal investigator, and he went to an orphanage of all things, and did an investigation there. Kind of looked around, poked around, and everything, and said he got nothing. Everything was kind of kosher. Within a day, he said he felt a child's ghost following him all around and saw it everywhere, kind of saw it following him. Went to work, ended a shift, and at the end of his shift, there's a video of it, if you want to watch the video on the website, he walks by this grocery cart, and it's on flat ground, so there's no way, there's no wind, you can not see his hair moving. As he walks by the cart, about two seconds later, the cart turns in a 90 degree angle and then follows him in a direct path, then moves around another car and hits his car. Now, the reason why I decided to talk about talk about this is because the guy actually submitted a police report for damages against the kid. <laughs> a, a ghostly child. A ghost kid. Um, yeah, and I just thought that was interesting because of the video itself, where you actually saw an object kind of go against gravity itself and move... Not going to direct best because we've all been in a grocery store and saw the wind take a grocery cart and plow it right into a car. But this one actually moved out of the way from another car to hit this specific person's car. So it went around one car to hit his car. That's Yes. And like I said, there's a video of it on the website if you guys want to check it out. I clearly think someone was mad at him. Um, But yeah, it, 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 it 
research this topic was specifically difficult for me to look up and find something just because of my own personal things and I'll let you guys know now because I talked about it with these two earlier there's a certain age of understanding with kids where they start to understand the ramifications of their own actions uh, life and death kind of things you know the age of understanding I don't personally believe and feel free to debate in comments or whatever and with your loved ones I don't personally believe kids before the age of understanding come back as ghosts I just don't believe it. it it's not a thing for me I've never found any evidence proving not or so I just don't believe at that time they have they lack the capacity to do that not that they're of a sound mind and body but they their innocence I personally disagree simply That's because fine. I think that that would probably be in my opinion the best time for their energy to not really know where to go so it just hangs around and, and keeps up with that childlike mentality of you know uh, mm -hmm. skipping around and playing and singing and yes know, all the things kids do yeah and yeah that would be a common thought uh, however like I said, my personal belief, whether you believe in Christianity, you, your kids go to Bahala, whatever have you. Um, at that time, you, 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 you're innocent. You're, compl you, you're not jaded by the ways of this world. And all religions that I've read up on, kids kind of get a free pass. Hmm. And I'm not trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to make this a religious thing. But I just don't, I just, I just can't, can't. Can't get behind it. I really don't. And I've had personal experiences with kid ghosts, I say in quotation marks. Um, it just can't get behind it. So this one was specifically difficult for me, but go ahead. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's my question for you, Joe, would be what would you consider then the age of understanding? Um, I can mm -hmm. only go by my personal experience on this. But I would say... If you want an actual age, probably about 11 to 13, when you start realizing instead of just being a young kid and just doing what you're used to doing, and then when you do something, you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Or, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble. And yes, you could say that younger kids, when they do something, they know when they've done something bad. But you also notice the younger kids don't really seem to care. <laughs> Because they do it again the next day. But at a certain age of understanding, you're able to actually have intelligent conversations with other people. i got to be completely honest. I am 42 years old, and I will still make the same mistake every other day. Well, yes, but you also know <laughs> it's not a, a mistake because good and evil are relative. It's, it's not an actual thing. No, I mean, I'll push but, my boundaries. <laughs> yeah, but... What she's saying is she's a 43-year-old kid. Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 42. Just jump around it, but I got it. But no, it's it's at that age you're able to actually understand life and death. Mm. Of what we do in our life, potentially depending on your belief, determines what happens in the afterlife. Or even if you believe in an afterlife. I think that age that I stated originally was the age of understanding to where you begin to understand 
what kind of person you want to be. You start to get the idea of who you are. Um, before that, you're just a kid. You're relying on everything else to do things for you. You can't really do it for yourself yet. Mm, yeah, no, I get that. Well, I've got some follow-up questions, but what I think we'll do first is we're going to save a little bit for the end because I could literally finish this topic and just have this debate with you right now because I've got a lot of opinions on a lot of different um, outlying cases, I would say. So let me go ahead and get into mine and then we'll just discuss the overall topic of child ghosts as a whole. So, like Joe, I had a little bit of an issue finding ghost stories about children in general. And it's not necessarily that I do or don't believe in kid ghosts. It's that anytime you Google something like child ghost stories, <laughs> yes. it gives you ghost stories that are suitable to read to your children. And not actually stories about children that are ghosts. <laughs> so, in my random searching... Um, I started out by finding a story, or I didn't find a story so much, but I found a topic that I thought would lead me into a story. Um, I am actually hopping the pond on this one. I am not staying in Ohio or the U.S. I'm hopping the pond uh, to Iceland. So... What I found is a topic over there was something called, I'm going to tell you right now, forgive me if I damage some words here because it's <laughs> Icelandic and, you know, they got some accents over there. Right. But anyway, so the topic that I looked up after I tripped across it, hoping to find some stories about it, was, uh, they're called Utbrder. Huh. Um, Utbrder are... A child ghost that is created when usually a newborn baby is left outside to die. So in the past, sometimes the fate of unwanted babies, mostly out of wedlock, uh, or due to incest or rape, trigger warning, uh, was one way of avoiding the scandal and a possible prison sentence is to leave the baby outside to die. Wow. Um, <laughs> jinx. Leaving the baby child outside to die was practiced in paganism. However, what's interesting to know is that when Icelanders became Christian uh, in around about the 11th century, it was one of the special provisions that should be continued and permitted by law. What? So as late as the 11th century after Iceland switched to Christianity, for a while they were still practicing this. That's insane. They're fucking creating White Walkers over there. Right? Now, again, that was initially the topic that tripped my trigger in order to look up stories, so I tried to look up stories about these. And yes, there is, to you people that know Iceland out there, yes, there is one well-known story, but it's kind of more like a folk tale. Um, it basically revolves around a maid who was having an affair um, left her baby outside to die mm -hmm. uh, and then she was invited to a dance a little festival celebration thing and she didn't have anything to wear um, the name of the story is Dear Mother in a Pen 
Um, so, what I can tell you is that there is a little rhyme that goes along with this, Dear Mother and a Pen story. Um, and supposedly what had happened was, after being invited, uh, she was talking about it with one of her co-workers, other milkmaids, um, and she heard a verse from under the wall of the pen, and it says, Dear mother in a pen, do not worry about it because I will lend you my rag to dance in. After hearing this, she went crazy and... Properly freaked out. Yeah. Properly went insane for the rest of her life, according to the story. Anyway, that's the story in kind of the sequenced small bit version. Hmm. So, as far as the actual story that I have looked up and I have found, um, I would like to talk about something called the Hofty House, which is in Reykjavik, Iceland. Again, that's probably the biggest one that I'm going to butcher. That is... Okay, gotcha. It's a big city in Iceland. Trust me, sound it out. Start to spell it. It'll tell you what it is. You'll find it. Um, anyways, the house itself is called the Hofty House. And according to local legend, it is haunted by a young woman who either drowned or committed suicide, one or the other. Uh, so the story is that one of the people... who lived in the house, uh, Einar, I'm not going to pronounce his last name. <laughs> <laughs> this here gentleman named Einar. <laughs> Einar claimed that the ghost was of a woman named Solver, um, and he was once the judge on a famous assault case when Solver heard the verdict, she poisoned herself and died. Hmm. Um, later on, according to Einar himself, uh, he always had to keep the lights on at night as she would appear to him during the night, still distraught over the verdict, and haunt the Hofty House, even to this day. Yeah. Um, in 1952, John Greenway lived in the Hofty House, and... Within the year, he had determined that the house should be sold and the British consulate should be moved somewhere else because he was afraid of what he <laughs> called, quote-unquote, bumps in the night. Valid. <laughs> now, completely off but on topic, off topic of child ghosts, but on topic for the hockey house itself, um, it's rumored that the hockey house may be haunted by two rather famous ghosts. Uh, on October 11th and 12th of 1968, the Hofty House hosted a summit between the Cold War superpowers. Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev met here at the Hofty House. It was chosen as a location but it, because it was represented as a middle ground not further or closer for neither America or Russia. Right. So, rumor has it this is where they met and rumor has it that 
the ghost of Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev may be present. <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, this is the Hofty House in a nutshell. It's in Iceland. It's a famous, it's a landmark in um, Iceland. A lot of famous people have gone through there. But actually, I, I looked up a uh, photo uh, and it's actually really pretty too. Yeah, I can see it right there. But no, I kind of want to investigate the house now. Right, going to Iceland. So, that's it as far as our ghost stories. Uh, I guess we can go ahead and have our little uh, end of session campfire discussion about children ghosts and what we do and don't believe now. So, I actually ended up coming up with two stories, if you want to hear another. Uh, I'm sure we have plenty of time, so if you've got a second story, you can go ahead. So... This one was fun because it kind of comes off of you. You're talking about, you know, presidents and, and Soviet leaders and whatnot. Um, so John Quincy Adams, um, he obviously was a president. Right. Um, a man by the name of Henry Clay was appointed the Secretary of State. Never heard of him. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have no idea about history. Anyway, so Henry Clay... Uh, was the Secretary of State under uh, Adams, and they were traveling from um, Kentucky to Washington, D.C., and uh, he had his family with him, his wife and his young daughter, Eliza. Uh, Eliza was only 12 years old. They passed through um, <laughs> a... Yeah. They, passed, they were passing through a place where they had to stop at, called the Golden Lamb Inn. It was an inn and a restaurant. It was uh, back, I want to say it was 18, God only knows, I can't remember. Anyway, about 200 years ago. Point to the story. Eliza got really, really sick while they were traveling, and they couldn't travel anymore, so they had to stop, and she got a room at the Golden Lamb Inn. And she unfortunately ended up passing away there, um, from this crazy fever that she had contracted. She was buried in the local cemetery, and several, several months later, when her parents like got back to Kentucky, which is where they were from, they sent for her body, she was dug up, she was sent back to Kentucky, etc., etc. Anyway, point to the story is that people who go to the Golden Land, which you actually still can go there, uh, talk about doors opening and closing all by themselves, objects moving, uh, weird little whispers coming from different rooms, um, the apparition of a little girl running down the halls and just disappearing into thin air, women who go in there with uh, furs, whether they be real or fake furs, can actually feel like a little tiny hand like stroking the fur of their coat. Uh, so apparently she was an animal lover too. Um, yeah, super fun, super fun. But I just totally wanted to talk about that because it's actually a huge landmark. Uh, and, you know, the whole president thing, I thought that was interesting. Uh, very cool. Where's it at? It's actually in Lebanon, Ohio. Oh, all right. <laughs> Not far off yeah. our beaten path. Very, no. very close to us. If anybody decided that they want to go, it is a five-star Michelin-rated restaurant. Oh, I'm down. We're good. Right? <laughs> 
uh, called the Golden Lamb Restaurant and Hotel. It is located on South Broadway Street in Lebanon, Ohio. Please call first for reservations. Joe, if you want to go ahead and Google and bookmark that, uh, <laughs> we'll set our dinner date. Golden Lamb? Golden Lamb. And, and like I said, there's a hotel there too, so you can totally stay overnight. And the cemetery that she was originally buried in is actually only about two blocks away. Well, they're closed right now. They are closed. <laughs> they open up tomorrow at 11. Yeah, yeah I'm looking up the website. Oh, Most excellent website. and very interesting. Beautiful place, too. Sorry, you got me looking at food now, so I'm going to bookmark that so I don't get distracted. See, here we are, a bunch of foodies. We don't know if we're paranormal investigators or foodies. Both. You could be both. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Um, such an interesting take on the idea of children spirits. I don't know what I believe. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I do know that here at our house... Um, Back when my mom was still alive, this was a couple of years ago, her and I were sitting out on the porch. Um, it was sort of our, our place, and we were smoking a cigarette. Uh, yes, children don't smoke, it's bad for you. And <laughs> drinking our coffee, and just just sitting there enjoying the, the, the day. And out of absolute nowhere, both of us just heard this uh, pitter-patter of feet on the hardwood floor, and this giggle, this little childlike giggle. And both of us sort of looked back at the door into the house, and then we looked at each other, and we were both just like, did you hear that? Um, and that, that's just one of the many, many examples of the small ghost girl that lives in this house. Um, several people have seen her. Several people have heard her little pitter pattering. Several people have heard her giggling. Um, I've looked at the history of the house, and for the life of me, I cannot figure out who this kid is. Um, so <coughs> rather than being rude, I haven't give her, given her a name. Uh, just call her the little girl in my house. Sometimes I will wake up in the middle of the night or super, super early in the morning and actually hear a little girl calling for mommy, which I think she's referring to me. Uh, crazy stuff. Oh, no. Why aren't you just full of yourself? <laughs> well, I'm the only mom in the house. So, uh, dear listeners, just so, <laughs> just so that you are aware, dear listeners, uh, Every person sitting at this table right now, Joe, my wife, Teresa, and myself, uh, are all aware. Uh, yes, currently we are residing in a haunted residence. Yay. Um, to be fair, after I've looked back on it, I don't know that I've ever lived in a house that wasn't haunted by something. Uh, but then again, the <laughs> Earth's been around for a very long time. So, be it land or the house itself. Um, we do have what I would class as a little ghost girl that... On occasion, will interact, but she does seem more residual than anything. Um, sometimes, sometimes she seems very intelligent. It, it's hard to tell. <clears throat> Definitely seen her kind of darting about, or heard her, you know, little feet pattering on the floor. But tug um, on your blanket when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, she doesn't do that. She did she, me. Did she? Yeah, she, for me. And mind you, I say that going back to my first remark. <laughs> right. Right. Joe doesn't believe in child ghosts that aren't the little girl that lives in my house. No, no, no. <laughs> but We'll get into that. Again, we don't really have any idea how old she is either. She Correct. could very well be, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. 
to be fair, when I've seen her here, it looked like a 13-year-old girl. I would put her somewhere around the 10... Like, I yeah. can only go by height. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. a, it's a ghost. There's no super detailed features. Right, right. So Now, see, I have actually seen her pretty darn detailed, wearing a little dress, and she's got blonde hair. And pigtails. Well, yeah, pigtails, like, exactly. Yeah. But to me, she didn't look very old at all, like eight or nine. Yeah. She looked 13 to me. Yeah. I mean, with all the estrogen we're feeding our kids these days, you never know how old they are. But, <laughs> True. You know... I mean, I was 5'9 when I was 13, so... <laughs> yeah, see, and I've never been 5'9 and I'm 40, so... <laughs> but no, g- getting back on my original premise, that's what I was meaning about the age of understanding. To me, that little girl's girl, and about the blanket, I was staying over here one night, and I was trying to sleep on the couch, and she kept pulling on my blanket and woke me up. I don't know if it was her, but she was the only one I knew in the house at that time. Um... But again, I think she was at the age of understanding to where if something did happen to her here, maybe not the house, but maybe the property itself, um, something she could stay for some unknown reason. Uh, no, that's another interesting topic. What about the Waite House? We were just at the Waite House, which is the Lodi Historical Society in Lodi, Ohio. Yeah. And there is rumored to be the apparition of a young girl who passed away by being hit by a train. Correct. Um, totally. Do we know the age on that person? No. Yeah, she was six. So. She oh, was she was six. six? Okay, yes. I didn't hear it. Um, and she has been seen, felt, and heard in the Waite House by numerous people, including local um, folks who fancy themselves psychics. No. Well, we can debate all day about psychics. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, well, I've got two opinions here. And they both agree and disagree because... I think, in my opinion, uh, the variance on the age of understanding and things below that would be that I feel like most of the what I would class intelligent hauntings of children have been it, you know, the 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 ish age. Hmm. Um, so, I think that we totally need to to give a little bit of a definition for that one for folks who are not aware. An intelligent haunting is what's classified as a haunting where the quote unquote soul, mind, intelligence, whatever you want to call it, of the person who had passed away is still present and can see you and hear you and think and interact. Where the other type of haunting would be a residual haunting, where it's literally just an energy imprint, sort of like a record. Stuck on just, a loop. Exactly. It's just stuck on a loop, and it just does... The, but there's actually no intelligence there, so the ghost cannot see you, it cannot interact with you, it just continues to do what its energy imprint does. And, and yeah. I think uh, a big thing to mention... As far as residual, Mm. let me say that word again, residual goes, is that I think what a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of people may misunderstand residual hauntings. Uh, I mean that in the fact that when they pass on, hey, I experienced this, I think that a lot of people maybe don't understand that despite the fact that 
a spirit can say certain things or appear to you in person doesn't necessarily make it an intelligent haunt. Mm, agreed. I think that it can say certain things, but it probably always says the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It can still, you can still see it. You can still talk to it. It just doesn't intelligently interact with you. Intelligent just being the key word there. Like, you might get an EVP of, of it saying um, a name, but every single person who gets an EVP is, is probably going to hear the same exact thing, or the same exact phrase, or the same exact idea. Uh, yeah. Well, I am seeing quirked eyebrows and head tilts from well, Joe. I think he's got something to say. Let me just say this. Has anybody ever got the same EVP, be it us, other ghost hunting teams, you know, go, the TV ghost hunting people, have any of them ever gotten the same EVP as someone else? Have, have we heard of that at all? So, yeah, I have, actually. Okay. As a matter of fact, uh, the only thing that I can back up with is my very own story because I don't, I can't tell you whether or not other people's stories right. are true or not, but mine, I know that I experienced it. So, uh, as a matter of fact, No Lights the name of our group was actually a phrase that was spoken to us by what we believe was the spirit of a woman who had passed away who lived in an old farmhouse in Carnes, Tennessee. We were investigating, it was late at night, we had tons of flashlights and things like that because there was the house but then there was some outdoor location that led to a barn and there was no lights anywhere, the place had been completely abandoned for years and years. and shining our flashlights I think maybe kind of you know triggered her a little bit irritated yeah it irritated her I mean old lady late at night she doesn't want to shine in her lights everywhere and she actually said to us no lights and later on in the evening on the outside of the house she repeated no lights and some lights actually shut off at that time so <laughs> get off my lawn <laughs> yeah it was, a, it was a very get off my lawn moment all right well two things the lights <laughs> shut off both times. I know because it was the light that I was holding. Well, inside it was a flashlight. Outside it was a flashlight and a camcorder. Inside it was just a camcorder light. I thought it was the flashlight. Nevertheless, uh, the problem with that is, being as it not only said no lights, but shut off the light afterwards, uh, that definitely was not an example of a residual haunt. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> residual haunts can't turn off the flashlight. Don't yeah. know. But I was just asking because I've never heard of anybody catching the same EVP from the same location. Now, but what I corked my eyebrows at was I had a specific thought in my head if we find some place to go haunt that has a residual or intelligent haunting and go back on the same exact day in the same exact month. If we can get the, if same, we can get the same thing. thing. That definitely That's, would yeah. be something worth checking out. That's a good theory. So it, that, that was why I corked my, like, ooh. Like, yeah. I have an ADHD brain. It misfires all the time. Uh, <laughs> a very, hmm, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, going back on the kids thing, like, I'm not saying I wholeheartedly don't believe them. What I'm saying is, if they pass before the age of understanding, like with your Icelandic story, if I don't personally believe it, and it's my own personal belief, my brain automatically goes to what is it trying to make me think it's a child? Because let's face it, we're all adults. Our guard goes down when we see a child. We uh, all get the motherly or fatherly instinct to take care of it. You're thinking more of, of 
possible negative energy entities that yeah, are negative energy to demon whatever have us. you whatever trickster god whatever you want Uh-oh, to call you said the d word what right, right. <laughs> uh not dude but uh, wrong word um, but if it's something like that like why are you why are you trying to make me to trust you i think that depends like, uh wholeheartedly on what the goal of that entity is right so if you're trying to do that and distract me from something what else is here that you're trying to distract me from but at the that's same where time, my brain goes to it. i've been in locations that wholeheartedly just did not seem negative or malicious or uh even even spooky um for you know a long stretch of time and several hours that, that we were in a location and it never felt negative. No. And we were interacting with what seemed to potentially be a child. Yeah. And it never sort of reared its ugly head and showed itself to be something other than a child. Have you ever went back? Yeah, actually. Right. A couple of these locations. So the Newport Memorial Building in Tennessee. Oh, okay. There were children's spirits. Unfortunately, they passed away in a, in a plane crash. Yeah. Um, there were most definitely children's spirits there. Or at least that's how I perceive them. Yeah. Um, and they... And obviously you can't ask them, hey, how old are you? <laughs> right. I mean, you can, but that doesn't mean they're going to answer. Right, right. Um, yeah, nothing nothing about those children's spirits seemed malicious. It was very, very playful. It was very yeah. fun. Um, very light. Yeah. There, there were other things there, too. Right. But those particular spirits did not give me any sort of malicious... Feeling. Well, if they're trying to con you, they're not going to give you a malicious feeling. But that—that's just like I said. That's how I work. But <laughs> um, it, it, I just—I I can't get behind it. And like I said, you can't ask. You can, but you don't know if they're going to answer it. The age of a child goes. Um, but like I said, if they're below the age, I said, like I just—I can't get behind it. Yeah. So. Either way, I think the point I was trying to get at is that I segregated it into two different categories. I believe that as far as intelligent hauntings go, I believe that, yes, there is some credence to your age of understanding thing. Um, but I do definitely believe that child ghosts can occur younger than that. I think that that's more just a residual imprint, though. And generally it happens in places like orphanages and things like that where... You hear, you know, multiple children giggling, like, okay, well, if 50 to 100 kids died here, then that leaves some kind of an imprint of the energy. Right. Um, And also, I guess, last quick topic for you guys, because it kind of, it's something that piques my curiosity that revolves around residual hauntings, and I just wanted to get you guys' take on it, uh, because with a lot of children's spirits you will hear of stories like bouncing a ball. So the idea of bouncing a ball, just because they interacted with an object and moved, say, a ball, does that necessarily make it an intelligent haunting? Or is that just a little kid energy doing what a little kid energy would do? So is the interaction with the ball... Does it have to be intelligent, or do you think that can be residual too? No, I must. I I personally believe that it could very well be residual. I believe that any type of residual haunting whatsoever, the residual energy is there because, in my opinion, 
a strong physical or emotional energy that was released by that person during their life and or passing. If you had an exuberant child who loved to bounce a ball uh, down the hallway, you're going to hear a ball bouncing down the hallway. If you put a ball in the hallway as like a trigger object, I wholeheartedly believe that that energy has the ability to interact with that ball and bounce it down the hallway as that child always would. Because I think that I think that that's it's just the energy, not it doesn't necessarily have to be an intelligent uh, haunting. Um, 50 50 for me, um, our bodies are made up of energy. Mm. Uh, they are energy within itself. Uh, and let's face it, each one of us get caught in kind of a, a rotation of sorts. Sure. Like we do the same thing day in, day out. Uh, so I think, yes, a moving the ball could be just a residual haunting. But with that, I think there is a baseline of intelligence with it. Like, it has enough intelligence to move the ball because that's what it did in life. I agree, because generally how we would define the difference between residual and intelligent is interaction. Correct. Mm. So, I don't know. It was just interesting to get your takes because I... I I don't know where I draw the line there. I believe that I've been to places where you can hear the bouncing ball, but you don't see it. Right. And even though I would hear a bouncing ball, the trigger ball doesn't move. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I guess that was just my curiosity on what you guys thought. I absolutely get what you're saying, that, that hearing the ball versus it actually, a trigger object actually moving is, is two totally different things, which it is. It absolutely is. I just, I'm not sure. So, hold on. <laughs> if it's just the ball moving, but no actual ball moving, just the noise of it, then is it actually a ghost? No, I think that that's residual energy. But with that said, residual energy, even in the form that we would consider is a ghost, is not. Because it's, there's no actual spirit behind that energy. Right. So is it this, would, would it be this, the, the energy within said building, said object, said space? Would that energy in itself create that sound because something happened there and it's stuck? I think so. Um, I think very much like a record player. Mind you, to all the listeners, we don't know the actual answer to this. We're just kind of spitballing, playing devil's advocate. But I've always been curious at the method of objects being possessed, holding in energy within itself. Um, like you said about, I think it was Waverly, where you were on the bleachers and you heard that the little ping pong ball or no, whatever no, no, it was. That was the Newport Memorial Ball. Okay. Um, that ball in itself could have had that energy stored up within it because they got played with, they had all that. So human touching something puts energy, almost like an energy vampire. It sucks the energy out of it. Um, so yes, that ball would have that residual energy with it and make it act out like it did in life or ball's life or whatever you want to have it. You get what I mean now? All great topics, all great debates, but much like all great topics and all great debates and all great podcasts, they have to come to an end. We are running out of time here, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, before we say goodbye, 
Um, like I said in the beginning, I'm the one that chose this topic. Joe, how about you give, our to- give us our topic for next week? Uh, well, I didn't think we had definitively got one yet, but I did say something about, um, and now I cannot remember the name of it because you put me on spot and my mind went, dirt. Uh, <laughs> uh, like sleep paralysis. Um, yeah. Help me out with it. What is the word? <laughs> Night terrors. Night terrors, yes. Uh, experience in night terrors. What do you see? Uh, even for the people that sleepwalk, do you see night terrors with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, something of that. It may not be paranormal. It may be more scientific. Just something to discuss. Awesome. So uh, to wrap that up then, um, I just want to throw out there that you can find us at No Lights Paranormal on Facebook as well as No Lights Paranormal at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to hear your stories, questions, comments, craziness, whatever it is you want to throw at us. Please feel free to just shoot us an email. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. So next week, we will be discussing bedtime ghosts and the difference between bedtime ghosts and night terrors. Have another good one. Take it easy.